the country are celebrating by inviting family and friends and co-workers and the list goes on and on and on. I invited my son to come join us from Safford, Arizona and he came and led worship for us so I'm pretty happy about that. It's a good day to be in church and I'll tell you why. I Googled, how many of you ever Googled something in the, uh, on the, online? Thank you for brightening me up, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank you. So I Googled, uh, what are the benefits of church? And it took me to a link for the New York Times. Woo! What does the New York Times say about benefits of church? And I read this article, and it, and it said there are benefits for coming to the house of God. And it was published by a columnist, and her name or her initials are T.M. Lerman, and it was uh, published on April the 20th, 2013, pretty recent. And I'm going to quote some of the things that she wrote. She said, one of the most striking scientific discoveries about religion, and then none of us are religious in here, in recent years is that going to church weekly is good for you. I started thinking, no wonder Evelyn and Pastor Bob, they're doing so good all these years, huh? Yeah. Yeah, Evelyn, Evelyn Plagman, she's the mother of our church, and she, she turned 101 last week, right? 101. 101. Tell, and she's here every week. One, one Sunday, it was snowing. I remember Easter Sunday. And Evelyn and, 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 uh, and uh, um, Bev was driving them in the snow. Remember that? And I, their car was going flipped. But they made it to church. <laughs> Weekly church attendance has been found to boost the immune system. Scientific fact. You heard of vitamin C? We take a shot of vitamin JC every week. Right? Weekly church attendance decreases blood pressure. You guys are stressed out? Come to church. When I'm driving and Shauna's giving me a hard time, babe, I can't wait till I get to church. Where is she at? And then she, she said, she writes, the reason for this is unclear. You think? She wrote down, at the evangelical churches I've studied as an anthropologist, she's probably a cultural anthropologist, she said, people really seem to look out for one another. Yeah. People look out for one another. Frequent churchgoers have larger social networks. You want to make friends? Come to church. You want to make friends? Come to Living Word Chapel. Right? I mean, you can't get away without someone giving you a hug. You walk in the door, Benny Silva will bear hug you right there. More contact, more affection for, and more kinds of social support than, any, that, than the unchurched. It is known that social support is tied to better health. You ever notice that when you isolate yourself, you feel more depressed, more down, but there's something about a friend coming along 
and being there for you and saying, it's not that bad, I'm with you. It kind of picks you up. It's amazing when you come to church weekly. When you don't feel like coming to church, it's when you should come to church. Right? So regular church attendance contributes. Oh, this is the last one that she wrote. Regular church attendance contributes to healthy behavior. Any ex-pot smokers in here? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> Any ex-heroin users? Any ex-gossipers? Any ex-prideful people? It's amazing. You come to church, you come to church, and the Lord begins to work, and your behavior begins to change progressively. So if you want some good things happening in your life, like a stronger immune system, lower blood pressure, people to look out for you, a larger network of friends, positive changes in your behavior, I think it's important that we make weekly church attendance a priority in our lives. You agree? So tell the person on your right, I'm glad you're in church. On your right. You guys turn the other way. Now ask, now there's a reason for that. Now ask the person on your left, are you glad I'm in church? And don't let them answer. <laughs> I'm glad that you're in church. I am really glad. So this morning I titled the message that I'm going to preach, Make Jesus First. And the Bible teaches us how important it is to give God center stage in our lives. Because when we don't give God the first place in our life, our priorities get all messed up. And when our priorities are all messed up, our lives begin to get out of whack. So I want you to sit back and relax and let the word of God guide us. Amen? We will allow the Holy Spirit to work in every one of us to make us people who put Jesus first. We're going to go to um, John's Gospel, and uh, we're going to go to chapter 3, verses 30 and 31. And what we're going to find there is John the Baptist is going to be speaking to some of his disciples. And John the Baptist came on the scene to prepare the way for the Messiah. He was to make the road straight so that Messiah, when he came into the world, he would be ready to begin to preach the gospel, to share the gospel, to impersonate the gospel. And that's Jesus Christ. And so the scriptures very to the point as we go into this, let me pray first of all over our scripture text. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's true. And I pray, Lord God, that as I speak and the things that I've prepared, I pray for your blessing to be upon me. I pray, Father, that you will give me the power by your spirit, Lord God, to speak words that are straight from your throne. And all of us in here, Lord God, as we hear the message, as I speak the message, Lord, that we won't leave the message here but that we will take it out with us, and it will become a part of our lives. And 
we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. So the NLT puts it like this. It says, He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. John the Baptist is talking about Jesus Christ right there. And he says, He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. And then he goes on and he says, he, he has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things. But he has come from heaven and he's greater than anyone else. That's someone we need to make first. And so I, I, I thought about three things from this, from this text, three things that we can incorporate into our lives in how we make Jesus first. So the first thing is we make Jesus first because we are incomplete until we do. We will never be complete until God is a part of our lives. Because we were created by God. And we were never created to be the God of our own life. We were created to seek him for his wisdom and his truth in our lives. We live in a world that tells us that if we are first place, we win. That we're defined by where you are in the totem pole. But the Bible speaks completely different. In fact, it tells us we will never be complete until God takes center stage. John the Baptist, he lived this biblical reality. And I, I thought about John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was Mr. Popular in, the, in his day. I mean, this dude had camel garments, camel fur that was his attire. You guys get mad when I wear jeans? No one gets mad. This guy wore camel fur. He ate grasshoppers. But he preached like no other person preached before. And the Bible tells us this about John the Baptist. It says, now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, making ready the way of the Lord, making his path straight. Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather, leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. But this is what stood out to me. Then Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. That's a, that's a remarkable assessment of John's influence. Jerusalem was going to him. Droves of people. All of Judea and all the district around the Jordan. He was a preacher with a lot of popularity. 
I don't even know if Joel Osteen had anything on him. It says the whole Jerusalem. The whole, the, whole, the whole state of Judea. They were all going to hear him preach. Now, there, uh, you need to know something. There's something that happens in every man and every woman when you get popular. You like it. No one likes being unpopular. How many of us like walking into a building and for everyone to shun you? Or for no one to notice you? How, how would you feel walking into the church and everyone just ignored you? I, I don't like that. How, how do you like it whenever you walk in a place and everyone says, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Hey, everybody. James is here. James is here. And you go, James is here. James is here. <laughs> That's the kind of person that John the Baptist was. Wherever he went, he was very popular. Think about it. And as he is going through this popularity, there was one thing that he always kept in his mind. And what stayed in his mind is there's someone much greater than me. And that one that was greater than him was Messiah. He knew that Jesus always had to take precedent over himself in life. The whole context of this passage right here are his disciples are, are, are discussing Jesus coming on the scene. If you read the whole context, they're saying, they're saying, John, 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 this guy that you just talked about, you witnessed about him, you said that he is the Messiah that is to come. He's baptizing people, and he's baptizing more than us. And John, I can just visualize him looking at them and saying, he must become greater. And greater. And folks, hey bros, hey dude, hey girlie, we must become less and less and less. Man, I thought about this and I thought, what a concept. Imagine, imagine if we'd live our lives this way. Imagine if we gave Jesus first place in our lives every day. There, and there are seasons of popularity. Can I tell you something? I tell my kids this all the time. I say, you know what, guys, girls, uh, the cast, you know what, there are times in your life that you're going to be very popular, and there are going to be times in your life that you're going to be unpopular. I've lived that in the 46 years I've been alive. I've had some time when I was the best thing since sliced bread. At least I thought so in my own, my own mind. But there's also been times where I felt that I'm the worst thing since burnt sliced bread. 
But the reality is that if you keep that mindset that John had where Jesus has to be first, no matter what season of your life you're in, you will be complete. Because your popularity does not complete you. See, she's the center of attention right now. But this does not complete her. What will complete her is God to be in her life. You with me? This is, what, this is what Jesus said about this guy, John the Baptist. No matter what other people were saying, I think this is important because this is what, what Jesus says about people that put him first. This is what Jesus says. Truly, truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Now, everyone's having a discussion, and they're talking about this guy, John the Baptist. He says, let me tell you something. Of those that have been born from a woman. Now, there's a lot of ba bad, I mean, awesome. There's a lot of really, really awesome dudes in the Bible, like Joseph. Have you ever read about the life of Joseph? Isaiah? Abraham? Moses? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, there has not been anyone greater than this guy, John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom will be greater than him. Can I tell you why John the Baptist was so great in God's eyes? It was because he put God first. If we want to be great in God's opinion, if we want to be called something in God's economy, we have got to put Jesus first. This is what made him complete. I love the way that the, the literal puts it. The literal puts it like this. It says, he must increase and I must decrease. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to testify from my own life that my greatest moments in life have been when I have allowed Jesus to increase. And I have chosen to decrease. That's an important word right there. Because that's exactly what John did. He chose to decrease so that Jesus could increase. You see, beloved, there's something that, this, is, this speaks to preachers very, very strongly, but it pre this speaks to all of us. Anytime you have influence, it, it tells us it's not about me. It's all about him who went to the cross. Now, if Christ makes you complete, do you think it would be a blessing for you to commit to coming to church at least for six weeks as we go into the I Am Second campaign? 
Could you imagine what could happen if you said, you know what, I am in everything that's in me. The, the things that I can't control, I can't control. But whatever I can control, I am going to make it my priority to come to the house of God with all of God's people and make Jesus first and let him guide me during the week. How about if you even take another step and you say, you know what, not only am I going to commit myself to the campaign and being I am second as we go into it next week, but I am actually going to say I'm, I am second and I'm going to make a life group, a small group, a priority because I know that I can grow better with other people of God. Now think about it. Just, just, just think with me. Now when you, you're coming here this morning, I know without a shadow of a doubt that you're being edified because God's with us. But could you imagine if you go and you start building relationships with other people that are like-minded, that are saying we're going to put God first, and you do this together, could you imagine what might take place in your life at the end of six weeks? It's a crazy notion. It's radical. But I think God will meet us. Amen? The second point is we make Jesus first because he's greater than anyone else. The church comes together because we know that God is great. You know what gets me out of bed? Sunday morning? Well, we know, Pastor, if you don't come, who's going to preach? That doesn't get me out of bed. What gets me out of bed is knowing that we're going to come together because he is so incredibly awesome. The big lie is that we can be our own gods. And this lie will make a mess of you. And not only will it make a mess of you, when you think you're your own God, when we think that we are in control of our lives, not only do you make a mess of your life, but when you make a mess of your life, there's other people around you that are getting kind of messed up too. The reason that Jesus must increase and that we must decrease is because Jesus is God. I'll say it again. Jesus is God. That's why the church worships Jesus. He's not an ordinary Joe. He's not some kind of a good teacher. And, you know, he's the greatest teacher there ever was. But that's not who he is. He's not just a miracle worker. He did miracles. But that's not who Jesus is. Jesus is God impersonified in his flesh. The Bible puts it like this. It says, John testified about him. Again, it's talking about John the Baptist. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds. And this is the way, what he said. This is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am. And think about this, beloved. Let's just pause right there. John the Baptist had a lot of influence. 
There were people coming in droves and listening to John the Baptist. The religious people, the religious leaders, they would stand by the River Jordan. They would stand and they would go, who do they think he is? Who do and John the Baptist would look at him and say, you brood of vipers. He did not shy away from anything. And everyone else was coming. They were saying, we know we're sinners. We need to get washed in this baptism. We need to go into the water. We need to be cleansed by God himself. And he said, let me tell you that there's someone coming after me who is so much greater than I am. For he existed long before me because Jesus came from where he dwelt and he dwelt in heaven because he's God. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Isn't that a great news? From his abundance, that means Jesus is not limited to anything. From his abundance, everyone that walks with him, everyone that puts him first, you are going to get an abundant blessing every time you walk with Messiah. Beloved, you're not here wasting time. You're here because the living God is here to meet you. And when you put God first, your life will never, ever, ever Ever, ever be the same. Ever be the same. Because Jesus is not a fad where he's popular for one decade and then he goes out of style. He never goes out of style because he's not dead. See, fads go out of style because they die. Bell bottoms, they just died. They might come back. Because it seems like everything comes back. You saw the praise team with their bow ties. Man, they'd be looking like in the 1940s. B-dubs. Not only does he have a bow tie, he's got a pink bow tie. Woo! <laughs> but it's nice, b It's really nice. Really? And it is. I, lo I love it. I'm not kidding. That's very nice. So as we think about that, fads, fads go in style and then they come out of style, right? Jesus never comes out of style because he's alive. And no matter what's happening in the world, Jesus is still God. I thought about Muhammad Ali. How many remember Muhammad Ali? And during his, during his heyday as a boxer, he was an amazing champion. And he would go around and say, I am the greatest of all time. I am the greatest. But there came a day in Muhammad Ali's life, old Cassius Clay, that he got old. And he was not the greatest anymore. Jesus never gets old. He's always, always at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says this in John 3.31. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. Grab a hold of that. Where did Jesus come from? He has come from above. And he's greater than anyone else. We, say it with me, we. We are from the earth. Yeah, we are from the earth. And we speak earthly things. Think about that logic right there, beloved. Why do we need God? Why do we need Jesus? Because he's come from above. He knows everything. We are from this earth. 
we know nothing, even when we think we do, until God begins to pour into our lives and give us wisdom. We sang a song where the, where the worship team was saying, you are wisdom. You give wisdom. You speak truth. We need truth in our lives so that we will not be tripped up by the things of this world. He goes on to say, but he has come from the heaven, from heaven and is greater than anyone else. And because he's the greatest, think about what could happen in your life if you make the I am second campaign a reality. Think about the logic there. There's some spiritual logic. What if you say to yourself, because Jesus is really the greatest, I am going to make it a priority to be here for this six-week campaign. Why am I saying that's important? Because anything you do for 30 days will become something that you'll always do. Are you with me? You chew tobacco for 30 days? You're a, you're a tobacco chewer. Right? Whatever we do, and I'm not saying that you chew tobacco, I'm just saying that happens. Whatever we do for 30 days, it tells us that that is something that becomes the norm. It becomes an addiction. Could you imagine if you got addicted to Jesus? Could you imagine if Jesus becomes so primary in your life that he becomes your source in everything that you do? And what if in these six weeks you say, I'm going to be a... I'm going to become a part of a life group. I, I want to do church together because I know that church is not a building. I know that people are the church. And we are going to get together. And, and because we can't all meet in my house, because houses are not that big, we can meet maybe 10 of us together. And we'll, you know, we'll get together and we'll talk about Jesus and we'll make him first. And we'll hear testimonies of what he's done because the I Am Second campaign is going to be based on people's lives that have been changed and all of us in here, if you've met Jesus Christ, your life will change for the better. Now, could you imagine if we say, I'm going to be a part of these things? Point number three. We make Jesus first because he's the answer. He is the answer. Can I, can I tell you? Can I give you a revelation? The answer to our problems is not found in the world. I think we heard that from a vessel of God this morning. God spoke through a vessel. And thank you, Shirley, for being obedient in that. And he said, you will not find what you're looking for. You will not find the answer in the world, you'll find the answer in God. The only book in the world that will give you solutions is the Bible. But can I tell you something, beloved? The Bible is truth. Everything in the Bible is truth. It's God breathed. God breathed into his word. Whether you look at your Bible on your iPhone or you look at your Bible on your smartphone or you look at it on a tablet or whether you look at it in, in, a, in a book form. The word of God is truth. Amen? But we don't worship the Bible. We worship the God of the Bible. 
The Bible points us to a living Savior. And the Bible without this Savior, without the Holy Spirit moving in the lives of God's people is just a book. But when, when, when the Holy Spirit moves in us, when God breathes life into your heart and into your soul, he will change you completely. And the word of God becomes alive. Are you with me, beloved? Jesus Christ is the answer. And a living relationship with him is what we need. And I believe this. I believe today the Bible is pointing many of you to make a decision to make Jesus your answer. The Bible says this about Jesus. It says, he testifies about what he has seen and heard. But how few believe what he tells them. That's the same context right there. John the Baptist says, I must become less. He has to become greater. And he goes on to say, he testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. But anyone who accepts his testimony, he's talking about the Messiah, about Jesus Christ, anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. For he is sent by God and he speaks God's word, for God gives him the spirit without limit. This Jesus right here that we're talking about, this Jesus that is the answer, this Jesus that is to be first in our life, this Jesus that, that you will never be complete until you have him in your life, this Jesus that is greater than anyone else is desiring to have a relationship with you. In fact, he brought you here for that reason. He brought you here so that you could find the logos, the answer, the very essence of God in your life. Jesus Christ is your Savior. There's no one else. There's nothing else. But because He is your Savior, beloved, because He is your Savior, we have to become, we have to choose to let Him be first in our life. God does not deserve second place. The God of this universe does not deserve second place. The heavens, they worship him, they, they glorify him, they, they sing and they exalt him. The Bible says that the creation sings to him. Jesus said, if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out and they'll say, hallelujah to the Lord of glory. Hallelujah to the King of kings. He deserves our allegiance. He deserves to be first.
in our lives. Man of God, woman of God, or friend that have not made God your God, your life will never change until you make Jesus first. Today's your day. Today is your day. What a great opportunity for us, huh? I want all heads bowed. And as the Holy Spirit is moving in this place and he's working in hearts, this is one-on-one time between you and your Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, this message means nothing if you don't grab a hold of it and make it a part of your life. But I can tell you that you'll never be the same if you choose to become a follower of Jesus by accepting him into your heart and into your soul. And I'm going to even say this. If you're here and you have strayed, you've walked away from the primary, the, 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 the primary things of God, the having God as your first place, today's the day to come back. Today's the day to say, I am coming back. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I would like, I'd love for all of you guys to pray this with me. And if it's you that's saying, this is me today, I'm going to have you raise your hand and make that commitment to Jesus Christ today. It's a prayer of faith to begin your journey. God, I am a sinner who needs your forgiveness. I admit that I have not given you first place in my life. But today that is going to change. I am making the choice to take the second seat. And allow you to take center stage in my life. Thank you for sending your son. Jesus Christ. To die for my sins. And offering me complete forgiveness. I confess that Jesus died for my sins. Past, present, and future. And I receive your forgiveness today. I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. On the third day just like the scriptures foretold. Today, I am making a choice to follow him in the fellowship of his church. Thank you for the gift and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. 
I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.